All right. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? You guys doing good? Yes. Well, welcome to Center Point Church. My name is Donovan Smith. I'm the worship pastor here. And I have the privilege of bringing the word of God to you all today. Uh, but before we do, I just want to say happy 4th of July weekend, everybody. Uh, yeah, come on. I'm excited. I'm very grateful to live in a country where we have the freedom to worship God. Okay. I know as a country, we're still trying to figure some things out. But I'm grateful that we can be the people of God in the house of God, giving praise and glory to God. Is anybody else grateful for that today? Yes, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So we are going to continue on in our series this week called Live That Love. Uh, it is an expository type Bible teaching series where we take a book of the Bible, we go verse by verse, and instead of just reading the Bible just to read it, we're taking a minute to squeeze out every ounce of God's intention and his, his love over us as we read the scriptures. And my hope is that we would become a church that loves the word of God that loves the word of God. And so that's why we're going to go through the series. Uh, last week, Pastor John kicked us off in this series, and we started off in 1 John chapter 1, uh, and we talked about seeking fellowship with God and how important that is to seek fellowship with God and that he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all sins and unrighteousness. Anybody grateful for that as well? Come on, yes. So we're going to continue on. Uh, get your Bibles out. Anybody got your Bibles with you today? Come on. The vintage, old school. It's not, it shouldn't be old school, but yeah. Uh, the app will work well too, okay? There's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus, okay? So whatever version of this you have, pull it out. Get it ready. We're going to be passionate. We're going we're gonna to dive into the scriptures. And so go ahead and put your finger or, or scroll to uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 7, okay? So now uh, we're, we're in a series called Live That Love, okay? So uh, can we say that together? Say, Live That Love. So I think it's important that before we get into talking about living that love, that we are able to define what love is, right? And so for a lot of us, when it comes to love, a lot of us have different uh, perspectives or opinions on what love means, okay? I know there's a lot of us here today. So we have different experiences, different opinions of what love is. And maybe for some of us, love is like that feeling, that emotional connection, that desire that we have, or maybe it's a measure of care that we have for the people in our lives, right? Love, living out compassion and mercy. Uh, and in some ways, you know, our culture has defined love as who we're attracted to. So we have to define what love is. And I want you guys to know, did you know that God has an opinion on what love is? Anybody know that today? God actually has an opinion. So we're going to come around the word of God and we're going to discover and, and let the Holy Spirit speak to us on what God's version of love is. But before we do that, I would like to play a game. Some of you are like, did he just say a game? Yes. We're going to play a little bit of a game. And I think mostly sometimes we come into church so stiff, you know. Did you guys know that God laughs and rejoices and actually has a good time? Did you know that God has a good time? So I think it makes sense for the people of God to have a good time in his presence, right? Okay, there's like two or three of y'all. Come on, we got to loosen up a little bit, okay? Come on, we got to loosen up a little bit. We're going to play a game, and it's called Guess That Image, and it's very easy. I can already see the eyes of the competitive people in the room. They're just like, <laughs> what's the game? <laughs> so it's called Guess That Image, and, and it's pretty self-explanatory. We're going to put a close-up visual of something. We're all going to take a couple minutes to guess what it is, and then we're going to zoom out to see if we're right, okay? You guys ready to play that game? Even if you're not, we're going to do it anyways. Here we go. Okay, let's put up that first, first image. Okay, I want you guys to speak out loud. Come on, don't leave me hanging. What do we think it is? Come on. I know it's an easy one, okay. Measuring tape. Is it a measuring tape? Survey says, drum roll. There it is. All right, good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. All right. <laughs> All right, next one, next one. Okay, go ahead. What is it? What is it? What is it? 
Okay, soda can, yeah. You guys did much better than last night's service. This is great. <laughs> yes, okay. So, okay, I wasn't ready for that. Good job. All right, good job. Give yourself a round of applause for those of you who guessed it correctly. All right, we got two more, okay? Hang in there with me. Next one, next one. All right, what is this one? Come on, guys. Shoelace. Dang, you guys are so smart. You guys, you're like, these are easy. What are you talking about, man? All right, what is it? All right, shoelace. Good job, good job. Okay, we got one more. Okay, humor me. Come on, guys. You guys look so serious. All right. Okay, so clearly this is somebody's forehead, but can you guess whose forehead this is? I'll give you a hint. I'll, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll give you a hint. He's been coming to this church for a very long time, and he's here in the room. Not Jesus, but, you know. Anybody want to guess? Okay, who is it? Go ahead, roll it. Pastor John Hanson, everybody. I love that hair, too. Can we bring that hair back? Bring the hair back, Pastor John. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I didn't ask for permission to do this, so I hope that I have grace upon me. Thank you, Lord. Okay. All right. Anyways. Okay. So mostly I, we played that game because we need to learn how to have fun and loosen up in church. Okay. Sometimes we have this perspective that we got to come to church perfect and polished and so stoic. But, man, there's so much freedom that comes in the presence of God. We can be free, we can dance, we can laugh, laughter, okay? Some of you haven't laughed in a very long time. It's okay to laugh in church and have a good time. So that's a part of why we played this game. But it does correspond to the message today, because oftentimes we play this game with love, okay? And what I mean by that is this. We are presented with a, an image of what love could possibly be through life. We go through life, we have our experiences, and I'm not trying to push aside anybody's experiences, but what happens is... We're presented with an image of what we can perceive love to be, and it's kind of sometimes like this. It's all we see, what the world presents us, what our experiences present us, and we're kind of like this, and we walk away with that definition. This must be what love is. But what we need to learn to do, church, is to take a step back and gain God's whole perspective of what love truly means. This is what God has called us to do. As we walk with him, as we walk in our faith. And so I have a very, a very, very big request to ask all of us here today. I want you guys to lean in for a second, okay? I have a very big request. And I feel like this is the Holy Spirit. I want us to take our current view of love right now, whatever we perceive it to be. I want us to temporarily suspend it. Just kind of push. Some of you guys, walls are going up right now. Just, just hang in there. I want you to temporarily suspend your current philosophy and view of love. I want us to come around the word of God together as a church. And I want us to take a look at God's perspective of what love truly means. And then I want to challenge all of you to go back to your perspective, even either affirm it in your hearts, like, yes, Lord, I affirm this in my hearts, in my heart, or allow what we're going to talk about today to challenge you, to challenge your perspective. How many of you guys know that it's okay to wrestle with God? Anybody know that here today? It's okay to wrestle with God. God's like, I'm not, like your, your concerns are not too big for me. Your skepticism is not too big for me. Your unbelief is not too big for me. I can handle it. I wrestle with God all the time. I'm like, no, God, I don't want to do this. He's like, go, go. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he's like, oh, Donovan, my son, much to learn you still have. I don't know why he sounds like Yoda. <laughs> much to learn you still have, my son. But that's just a part of his nature, you guys. It's a part of who he is. He's not here to, to, to bash us if we're having different opinions, but he's like, okay, I, I understand. You're, this is what happened in your life, and I understand. But he's always in this position to say, now come and view my perspective. 
come closer to my heart. So for some of us here today, what we're going to go over is going to be challenging. And I want to make sure that I put that out there. And so we can wrestle with God. I can't guarantee you you're going to win, but you will be loved. You will be loved. Amen. So let's do this together. I'm in it with you. We're going to go ahead and go through this. And everything that I'm sharing with you guys, it's from personal experience. So this isn't me going like this, okay? It's more like this. What I'm doing is I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit and I'm catching and releasing it. Okay, what God is revealing in my life, and I'm just like catching and releasing, catching and releasing. So you guys are going to kind of get an inside to what God is speaking to me, and I hope that it blesses you today. Amen? Amen. Come on, I'm excited to be here in the house of God today. Okay, so go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, verses 7. And I'm going to go ahead and, and open us up in prayer. Father God, we just, uh, <laughs> we come yielded to you in your presence, where there is fullness of joy, where there is the true definition of what love really means. And God, I know we come in with our different perspectives and we come in with different things that we faced in life. But God, ultimately, you are the satisfaction. You are everything we could ever hope for. You are the solution to everything that we need, Jesus. And so, God, some of us here today are going to be challenged by what we hear. Some of us are going to be uh, uh, confirmed and affirmed in our faith. And whatever the dynamics are in the room today or watching online, either way, God, love is at the center of all of it. Your love is at the center of everything that we're going to be discussing today. And, Lord, we position ourselves as your church to receive what you have intended for today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Okay, 1 John chapter 2, verses 7. It says, dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one. You have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you have heard before, yet there is, it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of, his, of this commandment, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. Okay, so what's happening is from the time of Jesus' personal time of ministry on earth and the moment in which this was written, uh, there's a lot of different philosophies kind of surfacing, okay? So there was this philosophy, uh, particularly at this time, that was kind of like this uh, um, atheistic, we don't need God, we don't need him, we are powerful, we are strong, we have an enlightened way of thinking, we know what's best for us. It was almost as if like this self-glorification, like we are actually gods, we have control. And John is sitting here kind of, I just see him like waving a flag, sounding the alarm. He's like, wait, hold on everybody, go back to the beginning. And when he's saying the beginning, he's talking about the time of Jesus, where all of us know that Jesus gave us two commandments, which is what? And I'm going to paraphrase, love the Lord your God with everything that you are, and then what? Love what? One another. And what's amazing about this is when Jesus said this, he didn't say two suggestions I give to you. You know what I mean? He wasn't like, you know, take this into consideration. He's like, no, 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 two commandments I give to you. Love me and love the people around you. But then this philosophy was popping up, and I can't help but feel that a lot of that's going on today. Come on, somebody. We got, we got, to, we got to come to terms with this. There's a lot of that happening today. We are pushed and pulled in so many different directions right now. There's so many different ways of thinking and so many books to read and so many Instagram influencers and all these things being said. And I'm not trying to push down any, any of that stuff, but we have to remember one thing that's the, the most important thing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through him. Jesus Christ is the answer. There's a song that one of our worship leaders wrote. It's called Don't Look Down. It's by Kaylee. And it's a beautiful song because it says, don't look at the waves. Don't look how, how crazy life is right now. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's, I can't help but feel and echo what John is saying in this scripture. 
Let's not get pulled in so many different directions. Jesus is the truth. He is everything that we could ever hope for. He is the fulfillment of every prophecy, everything that we're looking for. Some of us came in here today just kind of maybe beat up by life a little bit, struggling, trying to figure out how this whole thing of love and life goes. And Jesus is sitting there like, like just waiting to receive us. He paid the price for our sins. And he's like, I am everything that you're looking for right here, right here, right here. And we're like, but God, but he's like right here. Keep your eyes on me. This is the truth that we need to receive in our hearts. Go back to the beginning. And I also can't help but feel, and I, I was talking to a couple people yesterday, and it's so funny, as I was preparing this message, uh, God gave me this vision, and I was like, okay, Lord, I'll share it. And then at the end, there was like two or three people who came to me and was like, oh, my gosh, what you said was me. So I'm going to share this right now. There's a couple people, first of all, there's some of us here who received Jesus for the first time recently, and we're on the beginning journey and stages of our faith, and that's beautiful. But there are some people here, right here, right now, who you, maybe you believed in Jesus when you were younger. You had a childlike faith. You believed in him. Your heart was softer and easily to be uh, just kind of uh, influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then life kind of happened, maybe. Things started happening to you. Disappointment settled in. Maybe family members hurt you or a church hurt you or whatever the case is. Something happened to cause you to store your faith away. And you're like, I don't, I don't know if I need it anymore. Maybe I don't even know what I believe anymore. And it reminds me of this time where my mom, she, went, uh, she was looking for this photo album because she wanted to recall a family moment that had happened. She was like, oh, man, where is this photo album? She wanted to share a moment with her family, so she went frantically looking for this photo album. So she's, like, looking on top of shelves, going through stuff. She goes into the storage unit, and she pulls out. She finally finds it. She pulls it out. She dusts it off, and then she, you know, shares it with us. And I can't help but feel that's a lot of what some of us need to do here today with our faith. We've stored it away. We don't know whether we believe in, in this whole Jesus thing or we're still trying to figure it out. And I just want to affirm something here today, okay? God wants to rekindle the fire of your faith here right now. He is everything that he says that he is. He is not a liar. He's not trying to manipulate anybody here today. He is the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. And some of us need to sit and just kind of like, okay, all right. And sometimes we're wrestling with ourselves. Like, I don't know if I want to step all the way into faith. I don't know if, uh, if I want to do this and surrender certain things. And Jesus is like, just, just come to me. Give me. Cast your cares upon me. And I believe that some of us here today need to go back to the beginning. The same message that John was preaching. Go back to the beginning. Jesus is the answer. I can't, I can't say that enough, you guys. <laughs> I can't say Jesus is the source of all truth. Does anybody agree with me in that here in the house today? Come on. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. It's so funny when I read that verse, the true light is already shining and the darkness is fading. Sometimes when I read that, I'm like, is it though? I mean, has anybody watched the news lately? Things, there's some crazy stuff going on in America today, in our world today. And some of us are like that. You know, we kind of, you know, we're watching the news, we're seeing all this crazy things happen. And we're just like, man, if anything, it, the world feels very dark right now. But I think what's happening in this season is God is making it very, very clear where the darkness is so that him being the light of the world, and he called us to carry his light into the world, he's making it very, very clear where the darkness is so that we as his light carriers can bring his light to that darkness. Amen? But man, I can't, man, I got to be honest with you, okay? And I, I'm, I put myself into this category. There are some of us as Christians that God has given us, I almost see like a flashlight, like he's given us a flashlight, okay? And we're walking around, and we're just like, oh, this world is so dark. 
Why is it all these bad things are going on? And we're just like, oh, Lord, please do something. And God's like, look in your hand. <laughs> I've given you my light to carry. But sometimes what we do is we're just so scared. We're like, well, I don't want to force anything, and I don't want to step on people's toes. Let me ask you a question. When you flip a light switch, do you think it's considered of how much darkness it diminishes when you turn a switch on? Have you, okay, let's just be, this is basic physics, guys. When you turn on a light switch, have you ever seen, like, the light slowly make its way? <laughs> light doesn't do that. It completely illuminates the room. The moment you flip the switch, the moment you do, and, like, I love how the Bible says, too, what good is a light if it's hidden under a bucket? We are called to be the light of the world. And we as Christians, okay, those of you who are like, I give my life to Jesus and I'm a firm believer in the faith, we've got to get into the game. We've got to wake up, church. We can't sit around just all scared and, and bound up by fear. We've got to allow the light of Christ to shine through us, reach our communities, reach our loved ones. We can't be so afraid to let the light of Jesus shine in this dark world that we're experiencing right now. Because only he can light it up. And he's called us to do it, church. He's called us to do it. Tag, you're it, you're it, you're it. All of you who are here today and confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Jesus is like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. You want to light up this area? You want to go and speak the gospel to your friends and family? You want the light to shine in your workplace? Well, I guess you're going to do it then. Amen? I love that. Let's keep reading. 1 John chapter 2, verses 9. It says, if anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer. Ooh. Yeah, let, let that sink in for a second. Should I go back? No, I'm just kidding. Let's keep going. That person is still living in the darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blind, blinded by the darkness. Okay, so I love this, okay, because the root of everything we're talking about, live that love. The root is love, okay? And so I love this because what John is saying, um, so basically, if we were to ask the question, what does it look like to walk in the light? What does it look like to walk in love? And John is, you know, he's pretty much saying, okay, well, walking the light, you know, it's not necessarily how many scripture verses you know, how often you go to church, how spiritual you seem to be, but it's how well you love the people around you. Isn't that amazing? How well you love the people around you. And here's what happens, guys. There are two traps that we fall into when it comes to us trying to define love on our own. The first trap that we fall into is we accept a love that is only based upon loving people who agree with us. Don't, come on, don't look at me like that. Okay, we, we all, we're all falling into this trap, okay? We only love people, we only show kindness and mercy towards people who think like us. And you know what's so funny? That's the same trap the Pharisees fell into. They were pointing their fingers at Jesus. Oh, he's sitting with tax collectors. Oh, he's sitting with sinners. And we condemn a world that Jesus came to save. Because what did Jesus say? He says, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. Jesus says that they will know that you love me by how well you love the people around you. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus said, people will know that you are mine by how well you love one another. Look at how polarizing our world is right now. Come on. Let's not act. Sometimes we, we come to church and we feel like we're this safe little bubble. We're, we're, we're bringing the light to the world, so we're in the world, okay? So look how polarizing our world is right now. You got Democrats. You got Republicans. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh, is he going there? I'm not really going to go there right now. But just for a second right now, look at how polarizing. We believe in this movement. We believe in this movement. And Jesus is like, yeah, love all of them. Love everybody. But they don't believe this, and they are like this, and they don't they, love them. 
oh yeah, but God, I don't just don't agree with their point of view. Love them. Like I said earlier, come on church. He didn't say two suggestions I give to you. <laughs> if you get around to it, if you feel like it, it's not a choice. <laughs> you crack me up, Pastor Aaron. I love it. I love it. Keep it coming, man. Jesus said two commandments I give to you. Love me, love the people around you. We, got to, we have to, as a church, step out of this legalistic bondage that we find ourselves in sometimes. And it's demonic. To stand in a place of legalism and condemn, condemn, condemn. First of all, there's a difference between uh, condemnation and conviction, okay? Conviction is good. We want the conviction. We want the Lord to refine our hearts. But condemnation is not what Jesus came to do. Those were his words. And some of us as Christians, we go around, we go to church, we serve, we're doing all these things, and we're so spiritual, but we don't have love in our hearts. So we're, according to Paul, we're just making noise. We're just loud. Uh, no, let me, okay, let me say it again. We're annoying. If we can do all these things for the sake of the glory of God, but we can't, we, we look at someone with a side eye and resentment, God's like, mm -mm, that's not love. Some of us, like I said earlier, so this word's going to be challenging. It was for me. Some of us need to allow the Lord to refine us in that area. Some of us here today are holding on to some, some deep resentment today. You will not be free unless you learn to let that go. It is a, okay, come on, man, okay. It is a stronghold. I hope you hear me today. To hold bitterness against someone, I know some of you have heard this before, it's like swallowing poison and hoping someone else dies from it. We cannot hold on to resentment to other people. You gotta let it go. And maybe right now, okay, I'm just, okay, let's just, for a second, just close your eyes for a second, everybody, close your eyes for just a second. Some of us need to let it go. Just let it go. If there's somebody in your life right now that you just have resentment towards, and when you think about them, you just get all flustered, give that to Jesus right now. Well, I'm not doing an altar call right now, too early, but this, this needs to happen, okay? <laughs> People start coming to the front, okay. <laughs> just for a second, let the love of Christ come into your heart right now. We're not going to wait another moment. We can't go another ounce or second of living our lives with resentment towards somebody. Because according to what we're reading, you're walking around in darkness. And Jesus doesn't want that for you. So if it's a, it's a friend, family member, whatever the case may be, there's a lot of us here today. A lot of us have different stories, different worlds, universes. We all have different experiences that we're going through right now. And if there's somebody that you need to forgive, let that be done in your heart right now in this moment. I'll give you a second. Thank you, Jesus. Forgiveness. Just as he forgave us, we must forgive others. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you guys can look up now. I just wanted Jesus to have hold of that moment because it's beautiful. Amen. All right, I can stay on this subject for a while. I'm going to go to the next one. Trap number two. Okay, we got trap number one. We got trap number two. And this one's going to rock the boat a little bit. Okay, you guys ready? Trap, it got really quiet right now. Like, what else is he going to say? Trap number two is we accept a version of love that endorses sin. I'm going to say it one more time. I don't feel like you heard me. So trap number one, a love for only people who think like us. Trap number two, we accept a version of love that endorses and affirms sin. We got to be careful of this trap because a lot of times you're like, well, it's unloving to do this. And, and I, I got to say this, to, though, like what Pastor John said last week, 
God reserves the right and the authority to say what is considered to be sin. We've got to come to terms with that, church. We can wrestle with that, and God's like, yeah, come on, wrestle with me. You don't like what I say in my word? Okay, come wrestle with me about it. But he reserves the right. It's his authority. It belongs to him. Everything belongs to God. It's his right to say what is sin. Okay, so now if we're looking at this from a biblical perspective, what is love? And I'm going to summarize this. 1 Corinthians 13, the most popular wedding verse that's out there. Said at every wedding, love is patient, love is kind, love does not boast, love is not selfish. And you know what's so funny? It's not funny, it's actually bad. Okay, what happened? <laughs> we, we normally, when we read 1 Corinthians 13, we stop at love is not selfish. And those of us who are married, we kind of nudge our spouses. See, love is not selfish. But there's so much more to that, to, to that scripture. If you keep reading, <laughs> it says love does not delight itself in evil. There's another translation, my favorite one. It says, love does not rejoice in iniquity. What does that mean? What is iniquity? So, iniquity is a twisted perversion of the truth. It premeditates plans to commit sin. It's wickedness, immoral behavior. So, what does that mean? It means that we cannot rejoice in something that grieves the heart of God. Some of you are like, you can't grieve God's heart. Actually, you can. In Ephesians, it says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. So I know that's heavy. So what I want to do right now, we're going to lift the room. I want to say this. This is the message of the gospel. God's grace has covered you all. Amen? Come on. God's grace has covered us. I know that I need it. I am not standing up here as a perfect man telling you all these things. I need, I need God's grace on a daily, daily basis. I'm not talking about those of us here who are on this journey of faith and we're struggling and we've, maybe last night we messed up and we did something. It's not condemnation coming up, but just a, a, a infusion of God's grace and mercy for our lives. So I'm not talking about those of us who are on a journey. We're like, oh, man, I'm, I keep messing up here, but, but I see the victory of the cross. And, oh, my gosh, this is my past. And, but I see the I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the moments where we elevate sin over the love of God. The moments where we parade sin over the truth of his word. That is what God considers to be iniquity. We cannot rejoice in that which grieves the heart of the Father. Because if our version of love does not align itself with the person of Jesus, we have accepted a counterfeit love. I'm going to say that one more time. If our version, our perspective, what we perceive love to be does not align itself with the person because the Bible says that God is, uh, I'm sorry, love is not just a feeling and emotion. Love is a person. Love has a name. Love is Jesus. And if our version and perspective of what love is does not align itself with the countenance, the disposition, the attitude, <laughs> the personality Ooh, of Jesus Christ, then we have accepted a counterfeit type love. That is the reality, church. And now when it comes to counterfeit, I'll, I'll, I remember a couple Christmases ago. Uh, so my kids are obsessed with Paw Patrol. Okay, anybody else's kids out there can name all of them. My daughter's three. She's like, Chase, Marshall, Rocky. You know, she just, she knows all of them. And she'll see them so loud and she'll sing the song. They're running around the house, Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol, be there on the double, right? They're just yelling it. 
So we're like, okay, we get it, we get it. So uh, one year, Grandma asked, you know, Grandma was like, okay, what do the kids want for Christmas? And we're like, well, they, clearly they want Paw Patrol, okay? So we told her, they want Paw Patrol. And so Grandma did the best that she could, and, you know, so she got them, got them something, Paw Patrol, like this whole little station for Christmas. And so, you know, we got to Christmas time, and it came through Amazon, and it got here, and the kids were all excited because we told them, Grandma might have got you that super command center, Paw Patrol. And they're like, yay, they're all excited. And then this is what we get. Can we post it? This is called Dog Genius. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of looks like it, right? Dog Genius. Genius Dogs Race Track Series. I don't, yeah. I, I don't even know what that is. You know what's so funny, though? Instantly, my kids were like. <laughs> my kids knew instantly, this is not it. What is this? My three-year-old was like, that's not Marshall. <laughs> but you know what's so funny? My kid, when you spend enough time around the real thing, it's easy to identify, identify the counterfeit. <laughs> right? When you spend enough time in the presence of God and you allow him to wash over you, cleanse you, bring you to his perfection, not your own, allow his love to, to just fill you, it'll be easy to identify false love just by being with God. Anybody hearing me today? <laughs> Let's keep reading. First John chapter 2, verses 12. It says, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven. Come on, can we celebrate that? Your sins have been forgiven. How many of you are grateful that your sins have been forgiven? Keep coming. Come on. Come on, church. Your sins have been forgiven. His grace is sufficient. Thank you, God, for redeeming me. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. Come on. Let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. Stand up. Let's stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's give God glory and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you that you are good enough to save. Thank you for being good when I couldn't be. Thank you for being holy when I couldn't be. Thank you, God. Yes. Some of you are looking at me like, what just happened right now? <laughs> it's the people of God thanking God for his goodness in our lives. You guys can have a seat now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, just being observant of God's goodness is not something that we can be silent about. Let it bubble up and boil inside the depths of your soul and let it out. Come on, who, who, just raise your hand. Who has a testimony of God just doing something amazing in your life? Come on. I hope to see a lot of hands up right now. That can't stay on the inside of you. Let that release. Let it fly. Share your testimony. The Bible says that the enemy was overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony of his people. Some of us have some strongholds in our lives. You share your testimony. You make it known, devil, I don't belong to you. You can't have me. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ in my life. Yeah, come on, we're having church today. Woo! Hallelujah. Okay, all right, all right. Ah, oh, God is so good. Ah, oh, he's so good. Thank you, Jesus. I lost my place. <laughs> but it's okay. I am writing to you who are mature in the faith. We're on verse 13. Because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young in the faith. 
because you have won your battle against the evil one. I am writing to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. There's that word again. Go back to the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won the battle against the evil one. So as I'm re- reading through this and diving through the scripture, uh, this, is, this is John's address. And I'm not seeing it as like young, you know, five and to 13 or, you know, or children and young, like 12 to, you know, 20 years old and mature 30 plus. It's more of kind of where we are at in our walk, our spiritual journey in the faith. Every single one of us here today, we're on a walk of faith with Jesus. Some of us have just recently received Jesus, you know, maybe last week in our service or wherever you were. You just acknowledged Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And then there are some of us here who have been walking with Christ for a very long time. We've tasted and seen the goodness of God. You know, nothing can satisfy us like the Lord. But here's the thing. This is not like a level of of tears of like people who are mature are better than the people who are new to the faith. That's not what he's saying. But what are you saying? First of all, love is at the center of everything that we're talking about. Secondly, we all have a next step of faith to take in our journey with the Lord, okay? So maybe some of you here today, you're in your beginning stages of accepting who Jesus is. Maybe your next step is to dive into the scriptures, spend some time with the Lord, open up your Bible, go through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, begin to understand and know who Jesus is. It's not enough just to say a prayer and then all of a sudden you're good. There's a, there's a refinement, there's a sanctification process that must take place and only Jesus can provide that to you. So we need to understand that we all have a next step of faith to take. And those of you who are mature in the faith, First of all, you have, we haven't arrived anywhere, okay? It's not like, oh, I'm here. No, no one's ever there until we go to heaven, okay? But if we're mature in the faith, your next step is to pour out your wisdom upon the people who are growing in theirs. Pour out your experience. Pour out your love. Make yourself available to the people around you. And when I see this in John's address, we all have a next step to take. Amen, church? Let's keep going. Okay, verse 15. It says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and the pride in our own achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from this world. And if the world is fading away, along with everything that people crave... Uh, But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Okay, so this is a heavy one. We're not going to sit here and pretend like it's not, okay? This is a heavy one, but it's good. Again, let that wrestling happen. This is a good thing that's happening right now. So what is the love of the world? It's an effort to make oneself happy without the love of the Father. And it happens all the time. It's so easy to fall into these traps, okay? And so here's the thing. John acknowledges the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These things wage a war against the true nature and love of God. Whether we can come to terms with that and accept that or not, and we're wrestling, that's good. I I just feel like I have to keep saying that. It's okay. We're in a safe place to, to discover this together. But these things wage war against the true love of God. And we're going to talk about these today, okay? Lust of the flesh. Sensual body appetites that proceeds from within our evil nature, our nature, desire, the flesh, sex outside of marriage, pornography, homosexuality, things that bind us. This is a self-fulfilling kind of love. 
I want, I want, this is me. And it's the opposite of God's love because what did God do? Jesus poured himself out. He poured himself out. But we're, we're kind of not being forced because no one can force us to do anything. This is about Jesus. But we're kind of being presented this view of love of like, no, this is about me how I need to be fulfilled, how I think I need to live out love. But this is the opposite of the love that was displayed on the cross, you guys. Jesus emptied himself out to the world. True love is how we serve one another. I'm going to push a little bit more. Oftentimes in our marriages, and this is what I'm learning too, we often say, oh, well, I'm falling out of love. We don't truly fall out of love. We fall out of service. We fall out of service to the people around us because love is constant and true. It shines. It doesn't waver. God's personality doesn't waver. So if God is love, how can, if, if God is love and God's personality doesn't waver, how can love waver? Love is constant. The lust of the eyes, greed, envy, jealousy, discontentment. Sometimes we see what other people are doing and we're like, oh, I want that opportunity. I want to do that. Oh, who do, they, who do they think they are? I wish I had that item, materialism. And don't get me wrong, I love social media, okay? I, I love it. I think it's great. But I don't know if we were meant to see what everyone's doing at all, all times. Maybe some of us need to be careful. I'm not saying you got to go delete your account today. Please, please don't. Donovan told, Pastor Donovan told me to delete my Instagram account. I didn't say that, okay? But maybe some of us, I know I do, okay? I have, I struggle. This is one of my struggles, and I, I'm being vulnerable with you all today, okay? One of my struggles with, with social media is when I see a lot of different people doing different things, I, be, I begin to become discontent with my own life. I'm being vulnerable with you guys today. That's something that I str I've struggled with this for years, but I had to submit myself to the authority of Jesus, and sometimes that looks like me taking a break. So sometimes when I'm not posting all the time, it's because I'm like, you know what? <laughs> For my own salvation that I'm working out with fear and trembling, <laughs> I've got to lay this down. Some of us need to probably do that as well. We've allowed the things that we see, because you know what? The world's so enticing. This is what you need. You need more of this. If you could just have this, you'll, you'll be satisfied. That's called the lust of the eyes. And it's a pitfall, it's a trap that the Lord is trying to keep us from falling into. The last one is the pride of life. This is an unholy ambition for self-display and self-glory. All of us deep down in our nature want to be glorified. It's why Satan got kicked out of heaven, okay? We all want to be put on a pedestal. We all want the glory and recognition. But, hey, I mean, whether you can receive it or not, all glory goes to the Father, Anytime we raise our fists up and we're demanding stuff and we're angry and we're doing all this stuff and I want, I want, me, 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 I deserve, all glory goes to the Father. That's called the pride of life. It's an unholy ambition for self-gratification, self-elevation. And it's, it's in our, I'm just going to be honest, it's in our sinful nature to want that. So I'm not trying to beat anybody over the head today. If those of us feel that in the room today, just give that to the Lord. Surrender that to God. Surrender it to his love. And the truth of the matter is this. I'm going to invite Michael to come up on the keys for me, please. We all desire true love. I know sometimes we like to put on this front that we're tough and we don't need it. We don't need love. We're good. I know I do sometimes. 
But the truth of the matter is that every single one of us here today, we have a desire to discover what true love is. And we also want to be loved. That's in our nature as well. And Jesus is standing with open arms saying, hey, I can provide that for you. I'm sure his voice is a little bit more passionate than what I did. I could provide. I, Jesus is like, I can. I did on the cross. I did it for all of you. And so when it comes to the love of the Father, because we're talking about all the worldly love, let's, let's talk about the love of the Father for just a second, okay? And I, I was sitting here, and I, as, I, as I was preparing my message, I was like, okay, you know, I could do this first, and I could do this. But I think the best way I can articulate it is through a personal experience that I, I encountered. So when I was 15 years old, I went on a missions trip to Swaziland, Africa. Okay, I was 15. I was young. It was my first missions trip. And so we flew down there for about two weeks. And our, our goal was to go to different places and, and different areas. And we would set up these tents. And these people would flock to it. We didn't do any mailers because we couldn't have enough time. We just set up a tent and just w walked around the, the villages, not towns. They were actually villages. It was really cool. We walked around just saying, hey, come to this thing. Come meet Jesus. Actually, no, yeah, we said, come meet Jesus. That was the invitation. Not come to the tent. It was come, come, come meet Jesus. And then at night, you know, we just set up this tent and we were just hoping for the best. And then people would come out of the hills in floods filling up this tent. And, it, man, it was, it was gross. People were sweaty. It was so nasty. But, man, God's presence was so strong. You could feel the love of God just, whoo, just settle. And we would teach them songs like, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great. The only you know, a song that was easy enough for them to be able to sing themselves because they didn't speak English. And, man, when they began to sing as a people and they caught on, it was the most beautiful sound I have ever heard in my life. I remember it today. I was 15 at the time. I'm 31 now. And I can still hear it. Just the sound of hunger for God's presence and his love. Because they didn't have much. They were literally coming out of the brush with no shoes on, clothes that they had worn for months at a time, looking for something. And they realized when they got there that it was Jesus. They all, every single person there accepted Jesus. Revival happened in this little tent out in the middle of nowhere, Swaziland, Africa. At the end of the trip, we finished up our whole trip at this uh, orphanage. And uh, there was this couple that was leading the orphanage. Pretty much God said to them, leave America and go start this orphanage out in Swaziland, Africa. So they were obedient. They left, packed up their bags and just left for Africa. And over time, the mission of Jesus was being fulfilled because they had like hundreds of kids at this orphanage. And so when I was there... We blessed them. We handed them this check and, like, just, we want to support your ministry. And, and then uh, when I was there, uh, I was meeting a couple of the different kids. I had, like, there was one time I was talking to, like, 20 different kids. And they are just, like, asking me all these questions, you know, all this stuff. And from, well, how's America? What's it like? All this different stuff. And I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. But there was this one kid that stood out. Can we put his picture up? His name is Josiah. And for some reason, his story stood out to me from all the other 20 people. For some reason in that moment, he, his, he was like, I want to go to America. I want to be an engineer. I want to have a future. I want to be able to, to do this. I want to have a family. And he's all telling me all these things that he wants to do with his life. And for some reason, I was like, why is this story sticking out to me so much? But okay. And so I just paused and I'm like, okay, Lord. Later, the leaders of the orphanage were telling us stories of how some of these kids came to the orphanage. And they were telling this one story 
of how they were outside at night. For some reason, God told them to walk outside, and so they, they walked outside. And it's pitch black at night in Africa. And you gotta be careful when you walk around at night in Africa. There's cobras, there's alligators, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. So you don't just walk around without a flashlight in Africa, okay? But the Lord told them, go, like, go outside. So they walk outside, and they hear the sound of a baby crying. And they're like, and the Lord said, go, go, go. And so they, <laughs> they frantically started going, listening for the sound of where the crying was coming from. They would go over here. The sound would get fainter. So they would fall. They're literally depending upon the sound of this crying baby. So they're following the sound. They're going, they're going. And it leads them to this, like this little cliff into this waterbed, which is very dangerous because there's alligators everywhere. And so they, but God said, go anyway. So they're like, okay, no flashlight, nothing to lead their way. And they just kind of step down and, and they're looking. And all of a sudden the sound of the baby crying was so strong in a certain area. And they're just like, okay, God's like, dig. They start digging and they're digging and they're digging. And there was a baby buried in the dirt. The mother had left the baby with no clothes on, just there in the dirt. He scooped up that baby and hugged him close. And later I found out that that baby was Josiah. Seven-year-old kid telling me about all of his dreams and the things he wanted to do, not knowing that he almost didn't even make it to begin with. God saved him. And in that moment, you know what the Lord told me? He said, that's how deep my love goes for all of you, all of us here today. So here's what we can do, church. We can continue on with our perspective of love, or we can accept his as our reality. You are a son and daughter of God. There's no shadow he won't light up. There's no mountain he won't climb up. He will pull you out of the depths of your despair. He will pull you out of the grave of your shame. I love that, that song, Glorious Day. I was buried beneath my shame. Some of us here are buried beneath the weight of our shame and guilt. We feel like that's keeping us from the love of God. That is a lie from the pit of hell. He wants to pull you out. <laughs> of the depths of your shame and into his love. But will you receive that today? Will you receive it? The love of God, the love of Jesus, the true definition of love. Love everlasting, love made perfect. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love. Can you just imagine what perfect love looks like? Instead of scrambling around trying to figure it out and getting disappointed or feeling like you're right and then you're like, oh, I don't know. But can you imagine settling in the love of the Father right now? Just letting it wash over you. Because I want to tell you, every single one of you guys here today, every single one, not one of you is exempt. All of you have that opportunity to receive that love of God. All of you guys, everyone, all of us here today. It's not by accident that you walked into church on 4th of July weekend. You're not here by accident. God is reaching out to all of us here today. So can we close our eyes and bow our heads? I want to pray. There are some of us today who have yet to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to encourage you not to rush for the door in this moment. This is the most important part of our service right here right here. 
We plan our services to the best we can. We invite the presence of God to come and do his thing. But like Paul says that if we don't have love, we're just making noise. The music is just noise. What me up here talking is just noise if there's no love attached to it. The love of the Father needs to come into this place right now. It needs to be received by his people. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I've been doing life on my own. I've been trying to discover what love is on my own. I've been trying and trying and failing, trying and trying and failing. I'm getting tired. I feel shame. I feel guilt. Uh, I, there's all kinds. There's just an influx of emotions going on here today. But if you're here today and you would say, you know what, I want to surrender my life to Jesus right here, right now. And first of all, I want to say you're in a very safe place, okay? There is no safer place in the presence of God. <laughs> There's no safer place you can be than in the presence of God. And I want to tell you something. He is here right now. So if you want to give your life to Jesus right now, can you do something bold? Can you raise your hand? And I'm, we're going to take our time. There's no rush. I see your hand. Yep. I see your hand, brother, in the back. Hallelujah. There are a couple more people here. Please don't leave confused. Please don't leave hurting and broken. Because when God comes into a space, first of all, he's already here, but when his presence is made known in a space, do you know what comes with him all, at all times? His freedom, his joy, his peace, his perseverance. They are attributes of the Father that literally walk around with him as a part of his countenance, as a part of his personality. And what happens is they don't just stay with him, they overflow onto his people. Come on, wow. They overflow onto his sons and daughters. So just a couple more moments. If you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, raise your hand for me. Yeah, okay. There's another prayer I want to do, another invitation. If you're here today and you've been holding on to resentment in your heart towards someone, unforgiveness, first of all, that is a, it's a very dangerous poisonous seed that has been planted in your heart and it needs to come out today. Some spiritual surgery needs to happen in the room today. And God wants to do it right now. So if you have been hurt by a loved one or you've been hurt by a friend, if there's just every time that person comes into your mind and it causes you to get flustered, I want you to raise your hand if you want to be delivered from that today. I, there's a couple of us, so I'm going to sit on this. Yep, yep, yes, 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 yes. People of God, come on. Yes, yes. Family member, father, mother, uncle pastor, church community, people who you thought were supposed to be there for you, but they ended up not being there for you. Yeah, I see your hand. There's a lot of us here today. This is exactly what the Lord wants to do right now. He wants to pull this out right now and embrace you with his love. And I just feel, too, depending on the weight of which the offense was happening, I feel like the Lord is even saying, so for some of us, we need to take um, responsibility for our own actions. I'm not going to deny that, okay? We do have to have that conviction. But for some of us here, I feel like the Lord wants to say, on behalf of the person that hurt you, I'm sorry. On, the, on behalf of the person who can't say it themselves, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry you got left alone. I'm sorry you didn't feel my presence in that moment. I'm sorry that you felt like you were distant from me. I'm sorry that where there was pain, where there should have been love, there was pain. 
And so right now, I'm just going to pray over you. And um, if you're here today and you didn't raise your hand, uh, you know, maybe you're still trying to figure things out. But if you're here and you're a believer, as John was saying, like mature in the faith. And again, we're not arriving anywhere. It's just another step of faith. I want you to begin to lift your voice right now and begin to just intercede for the people around you with their hands up. Come on. This is not a moment to be passive and silent. Come on, church. There is transformation happening right now. And God has called us as believers to be a part of his movement. We cannot be a passive church when we have people around us who are hurting. Come on, church. Come on, church. Intercede for your brother and sister right now. Begin to lift your voice and pray for that healing that needs to happen. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Begin to intercede and pray for the people right here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Begin to pray for health, for healing over the people around you. And those of you who lifted your hands, just begin to lift your voice right now. This has to go past a prayer. This has to go past the Jesus, I come to you prayer. This has to go so much deeper than that. So with your own voice, maybe you want to do it internally or externally, but begin, if you want to receive Jesus for the first time, just begin to say, Jesus, and cry out to him. Cry out to him. It's okay to cry out. Don't worry about the people around you. Don't worry about how articulate your words sound. Jesus is not looking for your articulation. He's looking for your heart. Just begin to cry out to him and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Let that desperation begin to boil up from inside of you. We refuse to do life the same way that we have before. We refuse to accept a counterfeit version of love. We want to step into the reality of God's love in our life right now. So just begin to say out loud, Jesus, I need you. I need you, God. I need you in my life. Forgive me for my sins. I come to you right now just as I am. I accept your invitation to become a son or a daughter by the authority of your name and the blood that was spilled on my behalf, on my behalf. And maybe we can also say, Lord, I will build my life upon your love. Come on. Can we say that together? Lord, come on, church. Come come on. Mm -mm. Lord, I will build my life upon your love. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to say that again. Come on, stand to your feet, church. Come on, church. Hallelujah. God is in this place. Anybody else feeling his freedom right now? Anybody else feeling a little bit lighter right now? That's him. One more time. Lord, I build my life upon your love. One more time. Lord, I build my life upon your love. Who's grateful for that today? Let's sing this together. Let's sing, I will build my life. Come on, let's sing it out.